Here with us to discuss innovative ideas in fee development is Fritz Perkers, manager of the Alltech Copens Aqua Center in the Netherlands. In vivo trials are conducted at this Alltech Bioscience Center to study the performance of new aquafeed formulas and to study the digestibility of new raw materials. And thanks for joining us, Fritz. Thank you, Tom. Uh, tell us, if you will, first about the role of the Alltech Copens Aqua Center. Uh, the role of the Alltech Copens Aqua Center actually lays in the fact that we uh, support the formulation, feed formulation in Alltech Coppens uh, with experimental data that we create. So we are actually the department that performs the R&D. And it, it may seem obvious because it's for fish, but what makes fish feed special? Fish feed is special in the sense that it's a, it's a compound feed. So this is the only thing that the fish eats. So every different pellet should be exactly matched nutrition that a fish needs. That's unique for fish. And furthermore, uh, fish live in water. So that means uh, the feed also needs uh, specific physical characteristics that make it possible to feed it uh, to animals that are in the water. Okay. As the aquaculture industry is striving to manage finite fish meal supplies, and fish oil resources, can we still produce a high quality product? Yeah, we still can. Yeah, it's true what you say, the, the fish meal resources and fish oil, they're, you know, they're not endless. Although some sources are sustainable. So I think also in future we can still uh, maintain using those sources in the best way, most efficient way. And some fish meal also originates from uh, fish offal. So that may be uh, carcasses that are left after processing a marine fish that is caught for uh, human consumption. So about 50% of, in general, from those fish is left. And that's also a good source that will yeah, remain available, I think, in future. Mm -hmm. uh, besides neogreen, which is a revolutionary trout diet from Altec Copens, what alternatives are out there? Uh, there there's many alternatives, actually, in, uh, in the ingredients. Uh, neogreen is a, it's actually a very extreme example in the sense that we completely replaced fish uh, meal in his diet. So uh, we used um, microalgae to, to do so, uh, amongst other things. But there is a lot of alternatives that can also partially replace fish meal. And that's what we're doing actually in all our fish feeds that we're producing. What about uh, marine phytoplankton and seaweed? Can these be used instead of uh, fish meal in marine fish feed? Yeah, definitely. But it's a bit depending on scale at the moment. Since these uh, ingredients are not available in great abundance and usually at a price that is pretty high and at the moment not uh, price competitive with fish feed. But I think, I think they can. And the high potential of these ingredients lays in the fact that the fatty acids that we think are really healthy from fish, like DPA and DHA, they originated actually from marine phytoplankton. So it's really smart to look in that corner to see if we can take sources straight away from one trophic level down. What is the importance of enzymes in fish feed development? It's very important. And the reason for that is that uh, there's a lot of carnivorous fish, like uh, most farmed fish, they're carnivorous fish. So they're used to, uh, yeah, to feed on animal, animal originating materials. And part of the ingredients that we use as a replacement are plant originating materials. So the fish that are used to digest animal, animal feeds, they're not always used to uh, digest the plant originating materials. And that's why the enzymes, where they come in. 
Is it possible to manipulate the flavor, the taste, and the texture of salmon and other fin fish by uh, de- determining what the ingredients will do in, in those uh, in those areas? Yeah, yeah, flavor, definitely. text, and texture. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Uh, especially the flavor, because a fish can take flavor from its ingredients. So it's really important, and that's also something we test at the ACAC. If you test very novel ingredients, we also uh, test if it doesn't change the flavor of the product, which is essential because you're making a, a product that's in the end for, the, for a customer. What's the best and the cheapest way of, of achieving the correct vitamin and mineral additives in fish feeds? They can go through premixes, for example, uh, premixes that Altex supplies, especially in uh, minerals. It's really important to look at the bioavailability of these products. Like you can have... Uh, you can have straight mineral supplements for certain minerals as the salts itself, but they might be not as bioavailable as you as you wish. So what the smart thing is of uh, some Altec products is that they make the trace minerals very bioavailable. So you can, you know, exactly how much of the stuff you put in is available to the animal. So you're not, you don't have to over supplement them because over supplementing is more cost and it might pollute your environment more than, than you wish and more than would be necessary. Um, I'd like to talk about biomagnification, if we could. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's responsible for the risk of poisoning, like mercury poisoning in particular, uh, by human consumption of large fish. Uh, can the magnitude of biomagnification of mercury levels be quantified so that it might be possible to know before consumption which fish will have detrimental effects on human health? Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. And that's also something that is uh, continuous monitored. And it is a subject that, that plays a major role in, uh, in wild capture fisheries, especially like you said of the, the big species like swordfish, tunas. And that's an advantage actually from uh, farmed fish because in farmed fish, you know exactly what is going into the animal. So on beforehand, if you're having too high levels of mercury, for example, can be other things, because we continuously check on our, uh, yeah, on our suppliers on the raw materials that we get in, if they match our standards, for example, on, on increasing levels of mercury or any, could be any other pollutants. Has the capacity for the development of global aquaculture reached a point of saturation, or is there still much room for growth? I think it has a lot of room to grow, and I think it has to grow. But the uh, way how it grows, I think that that is something that should change and is already changing. So you see a shift towards more land-based farms. So that's Ross farms, recirculating aquaculture systems. And they allow a more efficient use of natural resources without like polluting or putting a higher pressure on uh, the nature where, where you're where you're working. There's a lot more uh, a lot more control by land-based fish farming. Correct? Yeah, there's a lot more control. So yeah. that's pollution, escapees, mm-hmm. uh, fish disease. Escapees has been a yeah. big problem, hasn't yeah, it? Definitely. With, yeah, definitely. Sure. Uh, with sea lice and so forth. Yeah, with sea lice. And um, also with uh, diluting genetics of wild stock fishes. Like if they get in contact with farmed fish, that might be also genetically selected for a certain purpose. You don't want them to mix because it can have an influence on your natural populations. Has there been a significant shift toward land-based farming of salmon? Yeah, in salmon industry, it's something you see because um, the effects of uh, pollution getting higher. So the, the places where, they, where the fish were traditionally farmed in cages, for example, in the fjords in, uh, in Norway or Chile, 
you know, they're saturated, so you can find this amount of fish, but should not do more, I think. And that's pollution-wise. And there were more and more problems with sea lice, so parasitic infestation on the salmon, which which comes from the wild. So when you're farming in a, in a cage that is, it's more vulnerable. And land-based, you can control it, so you, it's, it's not a it's not a problem. And moreover, in Chile, that um, detrimental effects of uh, diseases on the on the salmon population, like the farm salmon population. So that's also a reason that you see a bigger shift towards land-based uh, farming of salmon. There's a lot of lot of investment going on since since one or two years. From the uh, consumer perspective, is it possible to tell the difference between wild caught and and farmed? I think in taste it isn't. As long as you um, like, if you always consume wild salmon, for example, or always consumed farmed salmon, I think you will notice a difference, especially in wild caught fish, which are also of real high quality. But the quality is not always the same. So the the fisheries that is done on this fish might result in you know catching them a little bit in other season and other condition depending on the weather and behavior and and that kind of stuff. So it, you have a product that is uh, both of real high quality, but in uh, farmed fish, it's easier to maintain a constant high quality. What sort of trends in innovation and technology are you really watching right now, keeping an eye on? Especially the, yeah, like my work, especially with the alternative uh, protein sources. Mm-hmm. That's, I think, yeah, really important. Fritz Perkers is manager of the Alltech Copens Aqua Center in the Netherlands. Thank you so much, Fritz. Thank you, Tom.